0: Hi, everybody, it's Victor Agretta. and this week on Coders, we've got a really cool show where we're we'll going to be talking about game design and game development primarily. So join us in just a minute.
1: Telecom Careers, the number
0: one global telecom and wireless job board. TelecomCareers.com. Hey everybody, it's Victor Agreda this uh, this week on Coders, we're talking about game development and I'm joined here with a local game developer, Ryan Waller. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, so, you know, Ryan, we've talked a number of times before. First of all, just tell us uh, what's the name of your company and what games have you guys made? Sure.
1: Uh, Forthright Entertainment and our best known title is probably Fake Colors, which is on the Steam store. Uh, we've done a lot of mobile games, nothing I would say is a huge success, but... Uh, we are making money and surviving, so, you know, that's worth something. That's
0: good. Uh, and you guys are working on a new game, right? We are.
1: Working on Thunder God Battles. Uh, we're on the final stage of development and then pre-development on Zombie Hunters and Darkness.
0: Wow, excellent. Okay, so uh, it's, you know, it's always interesting to me that, where I'm based, which is Knoxville, Tennessee, we've got some game developers and whatnot, but this is one of those things where it's also a global phenomenon and you work with a team that's spread out across the Correct. world, right? I do. Um, we have about three guys
1: here and locally and then we have a total of 17 total team members. Now some of that's very minimal to like contract work, like yeah. doing sound and audio um, to some extensive stuff like our UI guys in Macedonia um, and he's really good. So it's, it's interesting
0: how interconnected the community yeah. is. What do you guys use to to communicate with each other? You know, do you use uh, Slack or Skype or whatever? So,
1: um, we we use Skype um, Skype for business now, I guess it's mm-hmm. called. Um, but yeah, we we have found it to be the most effective tool for us because um, in some of the countries that we work with, uh, my lead programmer is in Algeria. There's some limited access, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I wasn't quite aware of how much countries throttle certain things. Sure. So that was a about four or five years ago, there was a big awakening for me. of like, oh, wow, I, I live in America. I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. Well, and that is something definitely that our audience, I think, would understand is the fact that telecom across the the world is sort of different in different places. I mm-hmm. mean, you've got infrastructure issues in places like Algeria uh, that's a completely different infrastructure scene than we've got here in America, right? Or in Europe or, or whatever. Um, so you have to, you know, you have to work around those things, right?
1: It's interesting, though. Uh, we had one of our games, which is a, a little... Uh, like a match game it's, it's Thunder God matches. And one of our biggest markets was in Tanzania. And it's interesting because I did a little research and they literally have there's tribal people that literally live in what you consider like African tribes. Mm-hmm. No electricity, no power, yet they have smartphones and they send a kid in that charges the it takes like twenty phones and charges them in town on a bike yeah. and then comes back like it's insane. That's pretty amazing. It, it, it's, it's definitely the old world and the new world colliding. So in, in gaming, I think unites all of that, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool. And that goes to the whole idea of like what Google and Facebook are trying to do, which is connect the world, because what they've seen is commerce and economic development is spurred by mobile growth, right? So you extend mobile into these areas that, like I said, had no infrastructure, and then all of a sudden... They're able to do things that they were never able to do before. Yeah, Nigeria is an interesting case because
1: it's it's a very growing economy in a lot of ways. And, of course, it has the oil. But um, there is a game studio that made the first like African-based theme game. And the hero's African. Mm-hmm. And, and that's – as a game developer, as an artist, that's just really cool to see. Um, Ten, fifteen years ago, that would have never happened. Absolutely, yeah. that that talent wouldn't have had the opportunity. So things yeah. like Google and Facebook are doing, telecommunications in general, uniting things—it's really an interesting time.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, you're not you're not beholden to making CDs and then distributing those. I mean, that was the big stumbling block. I remember, and of course, Knoxville actually was the home of a company called Cyberflix mm-hmm. back in the 90s. '90s, and they pioneered the CD-ROM game genre. Uh, I can't remember the name of their first CD-ROM game. It was a shooter. It was it was very weird. Uh, but the big one that a lot of Cyber. people were Cyber. Oh, yeah, I had it. something uh, I know. Yeah, I don't will we'll remember at some point. But, um, but their big one that people probably remember is Titanic. And they did an amazing job of modeling the Titanic. So good, in fact, that James Cameron, when he made the movie Titanic, asked them for their 3D assets because they'd done such a great job of mapping everything on the I inside. Didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a history of game development here in town. So, Speaking of game development, let's talk a little bit about the other tools that you guys use. Um, so what is it that you guys use primarily for actually creating the games themselves? Sure. So uh, I was kind of going through the process of game development quickly.
1: Um, I, if you're getting into game development, one of the number one things you need to learn about is what we like to call the building block or the game design document. Um, basically, that creates the structure for your game. So every element. Uh, as, a, as a producer, that's very important. And, and producers in any field, television, Film, game it's the same thing. How do I put all these pieces together mm-hmm. to tell my story mm-hmm. and to finish my project? Um, so we start with the game design document, and you can use all kinds. There's templates, there's sure. tools online. You can use Notepad. I mean,
0: yeah. So the main thing is that it's it's like this is the all of the elements that are going to be in this game, and here's how they fit together. Yeah, it's your path basically. Yeah. It's your build path. Um, and then
1: you have we'll take over you, UI, sound, uh, 3D modeling, programming. So kind of your core and then networking if it's a multiplayer-based game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to use. Let me back up. If we're talking indie or small, there's some basic tool sets that everyone uses. Blender is a great recommended tool for any kind of art asset, um, and even you can use Windows Paint. I mean, like Microsoft Paint. I mean, I've seen people do stuff like
0: that. So, yeah. Um, and Blender is a three. It's a free tool. It's right. a 3D tool. It's great. It's I mean, and there's so much
1: tutorial in YouTube. Pretty yeah. much any software you can YouTube and find a
0: tutorial. Right. on Yeah.
1: So, um, but we we use, personally, we use Photoshop for most of our 2D-based art assets, especially our UI. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty common. And then we also use, uh, for modeling, we use ZBrush. Um, and we have Modo, so we have a combination of what we're doing, there's some different things we use. Um, and then you can rig and animate, Blender even allows you to do that, although not as effectively as like 3D um, Max or some other things. But uh, so we use those two tools primarily, and then we also program. Um, we use Unity and Unreal Engine for the two things that we're working on. And there's a, a plethora of tools that you can be using. So
0: yeah, yeah. But
1: that's our core stuff that
0: we that we function. Okay. Well, and I, I know we had been talking earlier about um, Unity, and you know, Unity has become such a ubiquitous tool for game developers. Uh, talk a little bit about why that is. I mean, I know that there's a pricing model. Right thing, right. Yeah. So basically, you can download it for free, and you can use it, and you can actually deploy on PC and Mac.
1: I think, right? PC, Mac, Windows, Phone, Windows Store. Because there's a difference. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. On um, Windows <laughs> 10, it's yeah. A little. It's a little more fluid in Windows 10, kind of, sort of. But yeah. yeah. Um. But
1: uh, they gave that for free, so now you do have the Unity splash screen, which is fine. Yeah. Right? But you can sell your product and make. They don't take any revenue or anything of like that. Right. So, as a anybody wants to make a game, you know. Uh, there's a gentleman that I'm friends with, and I don't know if I the cream to say his name. He literally just got into this and started making games on his own. He was a 2D art guy, and he has made quite a bit of money now. Um, and he's an indie developer. He's
0: yeah. a one-man studio. Wow. So. And that's very rare, though, right? To I, have a one-man studio.
1: Well, Unity, The reason I was saying that is Unity gives you the ability to have all these assets. They have a thing called the asset store, mm. and their asset store has free things and reasonably priced amazing assets that if, if I was to go out and develop from scratch, it would cost me thousands of dollars in many cases. Right. So that's, I think, one of the benefits of Unity is the free deployment, the tier pricing structure. So if I want the pro version of Unity or I want the Android version or the iOS version, I can buy those in segments or I can even pay a monthly fee.
0: So it's really accessible to a lot of people. That's And excellent. then the asset store moves it into a whole other level. Yeah, and by contrast, uh, how is Unreal priced? So Unreal
1: takes five percent off the top of whatever you make, um, and you also still have to get your approval. They, they're mainly for console development. That's triple. That's a triple A gaming title. They would argue you could do non triple A, and you can. For sure, yeah, of course. But um, I would recommend Unity uh, for that. But then um, you can do triple A in Unity too. So, but. Unreal definitely does that more. They have a their asset store is very limited mm-hmm. um, so at the at the current moment, that could change. It is changing.' They're, they're they're getting stuff on, they're being aggressive about it. but I mean, the under licensing when I first applied for licensing was was two hundred fifty thousand dollars per seat. Wow. And the seat is one light like one computer. you yep. don't know. yeah. Um, so you look at it today and here, have it for free. Yeah, have a tool that five years ago was 250000 dollars, per right. seat. Add it for free, we'll take five percent off the top. So, they've really added, and they have some other stuff for hiring studios. There's some different um, pricing that's not public, but yeah. they have some agreements like
0: that. But overall, interesting. So, uh, if you are getting started with development, um, and, and particularly with the coding aspect of it, what should you look at? What should you learn um, to, to really get your fingers dirty with you know the coding of these actual things?
1: It's a great question. <laughs> uh, and different people tell you different stuff. Yeah, uh, I'll give you the three that. Are the most common, which is Java, mm-hmm. C sharp, C plus. Uh, so C sharp gives you more power. Um, that would be really where I would I would probably start in Java. It's a simpler language mm-hmm. if you want to learn something. Uh, Unity allows you to do JavaScript or um,
0: C. So okay, yeah. Well, we had uh, talked. To, I I was on another one of our shows yesterday, and we had actually talked about JavaScript and particularly. You know, on the web, obviously JavaScript started as a web, you know, language, and it's funny because a lot of us thought that JavaScript was kind of going to go away, but then you had a lot of backend tools start using it. Node.js is a good example of that. So, it what makes my mind kind of real is the fact that JavaScript, and I learned JavaScript from Web Monkey if you remember that. Side, do remember right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I is that still I was, around? Oh, it's, it, they brought it back. I'm not sure if it's still. Alive I thought it now. went away for a while. Yeah, yeah, they went away. They brought it back. I don't think it's doing well now, but. Uh, but it's amazing because, I mean, of course, like you said, YouTube, you can find so many tutorials uh, for JavaScript stuff. Let me make a plug. Yeah. Um, I have,
1: for my guys, uh,
0: I bought an enterprise version for digitaltutors.com. They
1: literally cover basically any software, and you have a game design section specifically, but you can think of any of the top 60, 70 major softwares. Mm-hmm. They have it.
0: Wow. So um, That's excellent. it's You can get a subscription for as cheap as 30 bucks a month. Okay. Or the certificate settings, so you can get certificates issued by them for yeah. 50. That's amazing, yeah and and that's the thing too is that the toss the the cost of doing things has dropped so dramatically, um not just the development tools but the learning tools themselves. i mean, it used to be you'd have to go to a computer science class, you'd have to go to a four year university you know before that when I first got interested in
1: gaming, you'd find someone who had done gaming Hey, that's you true. literally
0: there were gaming. no programs or anything nothing- like that yeah yeah, i and in fact, I worked on uh helping deploy at a, our local itt tech uh a game development course. And, you know, the question was, well, you know, are there jobs here for this? And it's like, you know, the thing about game development is that a lot of the jobs, oddly enough, are localized, like Los Angeles or San Francisco, you know, something like Seattle, it's like bigger cities. But I saw already, and this was before the iPhone app store even, it's like I knew that this was going to be distributed over time. You know, uh, one of the things that I always took my students to because I taught some flash courses as well was Newgrounds, you know, and for those of you who don't remember Newgrounds, I mean, it's still around. It's still kicking barely. You could just like flash is still kicking kind of. Uh, but one of the cool things about Newgrounds is that people would actually put on their um, experimental stuff, you know, things that they were tinkering with and whatnot and, you know, flash as a tool. And this is still the case. It's like, it's actually a pretty cool prototyping tool. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to just sketch something out and try things and whatnot and apply some physics to it, it's actually pretty easy to do that kind of thing. So, uh, I think that the, the, my, the point I'm making is that, yeah, that's what do you say, $30 a month or something? Right? Yeah, that's super for, cheap. For the entire, and it, it's
1: like professionally trained. Yeah. They have assets you can even download with a $50 one and employ into it. So it, they have, it's very well done. There's other sites like them. I, we use them. I, I really, the customer service in from them has been amazing. Um, so that's something for me that we have found to be very beneficial. Yeah. And I, I recommend for had a lot of other developers that come in and say, I don't really know how to use this program. Go to digital tutors, right? Right, you know. So, how do you guys distribute your games? I know uh, Steam is one of those, right? Steam, of course, the app store. So, you have Windows Phone, um, the Google Play, mm-hmm. uh, Samsung, is and so a couple Android app stores, Amazon, of course, Google Play, Samsung. Um, in the Asian markets, there's even some other ones as mm-hmm. well. Uh, we're on Uya. Or Ouyah. Well, they got bought out by a Chinese company that actually maybe has a lot of potential. So, that's good. Um, and then of course iOS. So we, we yeah. deployed through that um, and we've had some, we've been inquired about deploying uh, physical based disks for some retailers. Uh, currently that's not a, a platform I'm interested in um, yeah. for, our, for our business model. Yeah. Well,
0: it's a higher overhead, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, and I think for for a lot of our watchers that are in the telecom industry, uh, you know, how have you seen mobile transform the game industry?
1: It's transformed everything. Yeah. The connectivity, uh, it's what made the price, it's what caused the pricing points to drop um, as it became more accessible to the world. The global economy kicked in. It's competitive nature, you know, it's been very beneficial. So mobile has transformed the way that people access and connect. Um, candy crust, the social aspect of sending friend requests or sending, you know, friend items. So yeah. we could, we could have a whole show on that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just the connectivity, I think, and, yeah. and the exposure has forced pricing down, which has enabled more people to access it and more people to develop and more people to learn.
0: But there's a double-edged sword to that too, because uh, the as the pricing model has changed, you know, developers who are creating these things who do have teams and they've got to feed those people, like that's a problem for you guys. You have to look at kind of selling more and doing more with less, right? Yeah. Actually,
1: pretty much right now in the gaming industry, five percent people are making money, eighty percent are doing nothing.
0: You know, ten fifteen percent breaking even. So yeah.
1: it's it's a tough market right now to be in.
0: Yeah, but the the upside to that is that for gamers, there's never been more games available. There have never been more incredible games out there, and games that are made. You know. By on a shoestring budget,
1: you know, the indie, the push of indie titles, the creativity that's allowed because there's not a major student's forcing. Yeah. You know, you and I could sit down and create a game and in three days have an idea for a game and then implement that and this original idea. you yep. Think about some of the big. Sony's done a good job picking a lot of the really good indie titles up on the PlayStation. I that, yeah. Um, there's has been some really good stuff
0: out there lately. So. It makes me sad because that's the only console I don't have. I don't own it either. <laughs> I have every. I have every. I have a television even. So. Oh geez. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I I saw the. Uh, Darth Vader edition PS4 that they've got, so I'm kind of like, okay, maybe for Christmas. The Battlefront. Oh, yeah, Battlefront. I mean, and that looks that looks amazing. Which we could have a whole show on games that were really chomped up the the at. Like Nordic, the, new the Nordic
1: nations, man. Yeah, they're
0: they're producing so much amazing stuff, right? Yeah. Now. Well, and and that's one other thing too, uh, and I think we'll actually wrap it up on that is uh, with with mobile devices becoming more and more powerful. You know, how do you see that? Versus the other problem is in the telecom world, you know, balancing bandwidth, you know, and balancing the needs. The spectrum. Of, and yeah, usage. you know, um, exactly. So you think that's going to be a problem down the road? Because people, you know, four gig download for a game or something well, on their phone. Microsoft has just developed, I, remember, I
1: want to say it was in USC, some California university. I don't remember off the top of my head right now. A way basically to break up the data so it's so much less, you know, using you know, the spectrum. Oh, wow. so, they're working on a way that that could re- will revolutionize the way that data is streamed through. So, uh, but the telecommunication companies are doing a little good job of figuring out how do we break this data and make it tighter and more compact. Yeah, kind of like what zip files do basically. Sure. How we do that within our
0: bandwidth. Yeah, within our spectrum. So. Well, and I can say also that Apple uh, is working on it. it. Should be deployed with iOS nine, but you know you never know. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's supposed to be in seven that didn't make it to eight. Now maybe nine. <laughs> uh, but I do know that one of the things they talked about was. So, let's say that you're downloading a game that is uh, compatible with the iPad and the iPhone and you know iPod Touch and all these other things. But if you only have the iPhone and a specific model of iPhone, it will only download the portions of the code that are applicable to your particular device. device yeah. yeah, so it saves a little bit on that, and you know I can imagine especially with assets, you know you're you're not going to download the biggest textures because it's not coming into your Mac or your iPad or whatever. Uh, so they're they're kind of working on that, too. Uh, part of that, too, is because they took a lot of heat from the iOS update that required people to have, like, five gigs available on their phone. Yeah, you've got a 15-gig device, like, six is taking up operating system, and then yeah. if you have any apps. Picture, kind of like there or pictures, no oh, pictures or music, you're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so people were having to delete all these photos and whatnot. It was kind of a nightmare for them. So they're... You know, it's cool to see all these companies working on these things, and it's not just about the bandwidth. It's about the practical realities of what we actually have, you know, in terms of memory, in terms of battery life. You know, all of those factors kind of play into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish we had more time. You talk about battery life. You talk about what the usage and the brightness of the phones and how much more efficient the last five years phones have gotten. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, so.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that, again, is code work, right? A lot of that is development work, and they've done a great job of streamlining. Um, we actually do have a couple more minutes. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you guys look at optimizing code. I mean, how do you do? You, do you really focus on trying to make your code as lean as possible, or is it more like, you know, well, we're just trying to get this out the door, and then we'll worry about that uh, later on?
1: There's different theories behind that, too, and thoughts on that. Mobile, in my opinion, needs to be more lean um, at the current stage, although even that's becoming, again, technology is advancing. Um, but I think you always want to have clean code. Um if you're not developing clean code, then it's gonna create issues down the road. Yeah. So part of that is is in the development process early, excellency. And, and you know, not just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. We we've gone through we clean up once every three weeks we can just double check are we using this stuff right now? Is this the you know, because we, we we had a, for example, in Thunder God Battles, we had a complete back end software change. Well, you know, we add the new company that we've done, all their SDK information, work on all this company called PlayFab, which great guys. Um, and well, we're sitting there we're like, why is our cut? Co- why is this? We went from 77 meg's to now 126. What just happened? And, and all these old assets from that, or you know, SDK and all the different uh, programming
0: that we didn't need. I was like, guys, let's get it out. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's awesome. Um, this has been great stuff. And uh, of course, where can people find you guys? Uh, forthrightentertainment.com. We're on Twitter at forthright as well. Um, Facebook, Fourthright Entertainment. So, cool. Forthright Entertainment, uh, Ryan Waller, thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, next week, I do know we're going to have somebody talking about software-defined networks, which should be really super fun, because I think this stuff is like crazy bananas. It, to me, it sounds like Ultron. Yeah, you
1: know? a, I, I have a network guy. I'm going to have a network guy, because I'm like, yeah, I'm enjoying stuff. It. It's, it's really amazing,
0: <laughs> amazing stuff. Uh, it's like Ultron takes over the world. But, um, but we'll be talking about that next week. For this week, I'm Victor Agreta, and this has been Coders, and thanks for watching.
1: Coders is a production of RCR TV News. To reach Victor Agreta Jr. or to suggest a show topic for Coders, you can reach him on Twitter at SuperPixels. For all the latest news on wireless code and the whole world of wireless, check out rcrwireless.com.